Good morning, everyone. My name is Alexander Peterson, and welcome to the Moving Markets podcast. It is Tuesday, the 7th of February, and coming up on the show, we have Sophie Altamat from Macro and Next Generation Research, who will give us insights on China's recovery, and Eric Mack from Research Hong Kong, who will give us an update on Asian tourism. But first, let's see what has happened in the markets. The major news this morning is Rafael Bostic, president of the Federal Reserve Bank of Atlanta, made a major announcement suggesting that the positive jobs report from January may require the central bank to raise interest rates to a higher peak than initially anticipated. Jerome Powell, the chairman of the Federal Reserve, is scheduled to speak with David Rubenstein at 12.40 Washington time today. Investors will be eagerly awaiting his remarks. In the UK, Prime Minister Rishi Sunak plans to carry out a mini reshuffle of his cabinet in an effort to reset his premiership after a rocky first 100 days in office. Sunak will appoint a new Conservative Party chair after he sacked Nadim Zahawi over a tax scandal more than a week ago. Turning to Asia, the electric car manufacturer BYD is exploring possibilities of setting up shop in Europe, suggesting that the Chinese car-making giant is more likely to establish its own plant than to take over one from Ford Motor in Germany. Turning to Australia, the Australian dollar extended its gain and bonds fell after the central bank raised its key rate to the highest in 10 years and said further hikes will be needed in the coming months to combat inflation. Australia's benchmark stock index reversed course and fell 0.5%. Coming to yesterday's market action, the S&P 500 was down 0.6%, led by utilities, consumer staples, and consumer discretionary. The Nasdaq 100 was also down by 0.9%, and the 10-year US Treasury ended Monday at 3.62% yield. Briefly turning to commodities. West Texas Intermediate is up to around $75 a barrel, and gold is trading at around $18,073 an ounce. In currencies, the Bloomberg Dollar Spot Index was down 0.1%, and the euro is trading well above $1.07. In the digital asset world, Bitcoin is trading around $22,880 US dollars. That's it from me. I'll now hand over to Sophie Altermatt from Macro and Next Generation Research, who will give us more insights about China's recovery. Over to you, Sophie. Thank you, Alex. Happy to be here and to provide an update on China's economic recovery. As you probably know, China has lifted most of its COVID restrictions in early December and its quarantine requirements for travelers in early January. And the county just recently celebrated the Lunar New Year. So what do we know about how the economy is doing today? Well, to track the most recent economic development, we look at different sets of economic and also non-economic indicators. For example, we regularly look at mobility data as indicators for economic activity. That can be, for example, data on traffic congestion or the daily number of subway passengers. For January, showed nicely and in real time how mobility normalized. To us, this is an indication that COVID infections have likely peaked in recent weeks after having spread rapidly following the abrupt lifting of COVID restrictions in early December. In line with that, Chinese state epidemiologists estimate that at least 80% of the population have already caught the virus. And last week, Early economic indicators for January confirmed a quick rebound in economic activity, 
especially in the services sector. Services consumption suffered most during COVID outbreaks, and now that restrictions have been lifted and COVID infections peaked, people are again enjoying the pleasures of dining out, traveling, or entertainment. So overall, the latest data out of China suggests that disruptions related to the pandemic are easing. Economic activity has still been affected by the pandemic in January, but the worst seems to be behind us. Now, what does that mean for China's economic outlook? Well, it looks like the economic recovery is starting earlier than expected, driven by an earlier consumption rebound. We expect the main rebound in consumer activity to materialize over the coming months, given that there are no pandemic-related setbacks. However, we do not see much improvement in exports and housing demand, so exports and activity in the property sector will likely continue to be rather weak. So, taken together, we think that the growth recovery could happen earlier, meaning in the first quarter rather than the second, but we do not necessarily expect a stronger overall growth recovery this year. So we have left our growth forecast for the Chinese economy unchanged at 5.2% in 2023. That's all from my side on China for today. Back to you, Alex. Thank you very much, Sophie. Next up, we have Eric Mack from Research Hong Kong with an update on Asian tourism. Over to you, Eric. Thank you. For the China reopening, we believe that this should release a huge pent-up demand for both uh, the Chinese business as well as the leisure travelers. This should provide very positive operating tailwinds for the Asian tourism industry. Now, within the industry, we think that the primary beneficiary should be the uh, online travel agents, airlines, hotels, and selected consumer brands. Now, for China, that's where the uh, policy change and policy have been taking place. So the domestic uh, the tourism uh, should enjoy a very good uh, positive tailwind. We already get very good uh, promising uh, data uh, uh, up until now. The best example is the recent Chinese New Year. Now, for the past uh, seven-day uh, Chinese New Year uh, holiday, China has reported more than 300 million trips. That is roughly equal to 89% of the pre-COVID level. So we believe that the do domestic tourism activities should continue to improve over the next few quarters. The other part for the tourism market is the Chinese outbound uh, tourism activities. Now, this segment, uh, the recovery is uh, relatively slow. The key reason is because uh, of the COVID situation in China, other countries have imposed some traveling restrictions on Chinese tourists. For example, Japan and Korea are popular traveling destinations for Chinese tourists. But because of the COVID situations, Japan and Korea are uh, require Chinese travelers uh, to perform a 48-hour uh, PCR test. And because of this convenience, uh, the recovery for impound tours from China to Japan and Korea uh, is rather slow. Uh, the second reason is the availability of flight schedules. But as COVID situations and flight schedules should improve in the next uh, uh, one to two uh, quarters, we believe that uh, the outbound tourism activities should see a more loadable pickup in Q2. Uh, 
that's pretty much from uh, for me from today. Thank you very much, Eric. And that's all for today. Thanks for tuning in. Goodbye for now. The information and opinions expressed in this podcast constitute marketing material and are not the result of independent financial or investment research. Please refer to www.juliasbear.com forward slash legal forward slash podcasts for further other important legal information. Wealth Insights is a podcast series where Julius Bear experts discuss topics from a wealth management perspective. Whether it's starting a business, preparing for retirement, or transferring wealth to the next generation, our experts provide answers to the relevant questions. Available now on all good platforms, search for Wealth Insights on your favourite podcast player.